we all came here and sang the tune to the German national anthem. Do you remember that? Written by Joseph Haydn. We sang the words of John Newton, a converted slave trader. And we met with God, seeking his peace in our hearts. The question was asked in that hymn, if of Zion's city I through grace a member am, then let the world deride all pity and I will glory in thy name. And that's what this is all about. Eleanor missed out two dots. It's if dot 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 then dot 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 dot. It's a five-point sermon, Eleanor. <laughs> well, now, we were thinking last week, and we sang together that wonderful uh, hymn written about peace, that we should have peace which passes all understanding. And this isn't talking about war and peace. It's talking about what God can do in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Fill us with his peace. So that that's so evident in the community that we are seen to be different, but also seen to be magnets that they too might come to know the same Savior. I have heard this many, many times, as you can imagine, in the police service. If you plead guilty, then the court will take cognizance of that. I'm not so sure the court ever did, but that's what we used to say to our prisoners. I expect John Pook had said to one of the, poor John, he's lost his hearing aid. John, I expect John has said, if you make a reasonable offer on the house, then the owners will surely consider it. <laughs> what I'm really saying is that time and again in this life that we live, we use the word if and then make a conclusion then. And that's exactly what Paul has said to this young church in Philippi. Paul is instructing the church by encouragement and the necessity for unity. How many churches have been damaged by disunity? I was talking yesterday to my brother-in-law, Dr. John Bolton, who's preached here, and he was at Worthing Tabernacle. And Worthing Tabernacle had a whole history of outgoing ministry until about 10 or 11 years ago. And then there suddenly was a split in the church fellowship. Many left through argument. Those who stayed wonder what has happened. And John was preaching there to a very sad congregation last Sunday morning. So let's be guarded, shall we? from what Satan wants to do, which is to divide us, because we fall once divided. So here we have the expectation. Let's simply look at these first few verses of chapter 2 in uh, Philippians. Please follow them through. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, are we encouraged? Uh. No? Well, come on. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, do we have that? Come on. If any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, 
This side isn't archery. I, I take it you love the Lord as well. That's good. If any tenderness and compassion, thank you. The four ifs, which is asking if you really enjoy being a Christian and Christ has made a difference in your life, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit and have a caring heart, that's four ifs and there are four thens. Then be like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose, and finally, do nothing out of selfish ambition. In that summary, Paul is saying these four things, that you agree with one another, love each other, and be deeply spirited friends. Because selfishness is not part of the Christian life. We must be seen to be different in the community. We're in the minority. I guess that most of us know people who don't know Christ. We were in a church one day when the preacher suddenly called out to us all and said, how many of you have most of your friends as Christians? And all sorts of hands went up. Only a few, when asked the same question, how many people have non-Christian friends, only a few people put their hands up. Now I think that's the wrong way round. We live in a world where most people don't know Christ. Their sadness, which they don't even appreciate, surely can be dealt with by our gladness. When people see us, they ought to be saying, I'd love to be like them. And that's really what Paul is saying. If you're a divided church, that won't happen. If you're a church where there's unselfishness and glory to God walking in the Holy Spirit, then people will say, there's the difference. So that is something of what Paul is saying as a preamble to what I think is the most important part here. I know, looking around here, there are a few grey hairs like me, and we all remember the Beatles. I doubt you remember the Beatles, do you? But there we are. The Beatles were quite a good song, sort of group from Liverpool. Do you understand that? Good. Right. Well, sadly, in 1970, the Beatles were asked if they would be part of a documentary which was intended to show how they made their music. Instead of revealing the process which was involved in this creativity, the film actually drew the curtain back on what the Beatles were really like. They were four young men who wanted their own way. They wanted their songs which they had created against the other three. So much so that after this documentary was shown on ITV, the Beatles not only got criticism, but they themselves realized that they've been shown to the world as dysfunctional, and they broke up. I don't know whether you knew that or not. It's all because they wanted their own way. Now, here we are in a church, not wanting our way, but his way. All of us together, learning from each other. All right, there will occasionally be disagreements, but ultimately, we've got to say we are, we are one in the Spirit. And people see that in our community. So for us, 
We need to be very careful that Satan does not undermine our fellowship. We should be seen as something so attractive because of the unity that we have. So that's the first start of that, the expectation. The example, which is the core of all we're saying this morning, is the Lord Jesus. If you are walking with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is our example. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Is that possible? Well, if it weren't possible, it wouldn't be in Scripture. But it's a very high ideal. Jesus made himself nothing. He became a servant. He humbled himself, became obedient to death on a criminal cross. Isn't it sad that that is missed? Do you know, every day there are opportunities of speaking about Christ. And last week you heard from Chris that we were in Scandinavia. Uh, Susie and Martin were also there. I didn't realize that. We didn't bump into them. But there we are. Sorry about that. But there are opportunities. I was playing golf on Tuesday, and my golfing partner said to me, why is Isaiah 53 so important? Now, what a question. I was just about to putt out. <laughs> So I had to say to him, hang on a moment, I want to putt. And so I spoke to him about the Lord Jesus. The example there, right from Isaiah, but for us today, is to have the same attitude of the Lord Jesus. How on earth, and I mean that literally, can we emulate Jesus? As Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Jesus... Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. That's what's happening. It's because of what he has done and what he is doing. We have to recognize that in spiritual terms, we need to humble ourselves. It's back again, not having self to the fore, but having him. Become servants of his and to the community. People should see us as people who want to be in the community, doing what we can as community people, but coming from that core of being like Christ. Selfish ambition doesn't exalt Christ. Ambition in him does. We have to die in a sense like Jesus did. He died for the whole world. He died for you and me. That's why we love him. But we have to die to self so that Jesus can be seen by our attitude. So that's the example. And then the experience. The key verse, I believe, in our chapter today is this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that leaves nobody out. You have non-Christian friends, they should not be left out because every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now if we're bowed to him and we're confessing Christ by our attitude and by our words, surely 
people will listen and people will see the evidence of who we are and who we're following. I guess that most of the people we know or even don't know don't have Jesus as Lord. We live in Bicton. There are 121 houses in Bicton. But if we get more than 20 in church, we say it's full, despite the fact the pews are empty. How sad that is. We're not making the impact that we should be. I believe that our commitment should be not only to Christ, but to the people who we know or even don't know, but who are outside of Christ. You might tell me that you are shy and too timid to speak of your faith. And I understand that. It is not easy. The day before I joined the police force in London, a colleague who was already a police officer and a Christian man said to me, Robin, nail your colours to the mast. I didn't know what he meant by that. I tried to think it through. But he was really saying, you've got to be a witness. And of course, when I got to the training school with 25 others, I didn't know any of them and they didn't know each other. After the bullying our boots and pressing our new uniforms, we eventually got to bed. And as was my practice, I knelt down by my bed and I wanted to read the scriptures and pray. And my door suddenly thrust open and my next door neighbor who had hardly met said, what the hell do you think you're doing? Because my feet were under the boards and in his cubicle. And so, and so he nailed my colours to the mast. He told everybody, we got a religious nut around. Well, thank God that he was there. I too share that. I am shy, but I hope not too timid to talk of my faith. It means too much to me to keep it to myself. I read the other day that courage is not having strength to go on. Courage is going on when you don't have the strength, because our strength comes from the Holy Spirit. Lord, use me today. If we really mean that, he will use us, but he will also give us the strength to be his witness. Then, how much do we pray for those who don't know him? I trust that this morning we've all got up and had a quiet time and that we've read the scriptures and prayed, but who have we been praying for? You probably know our friend Debbie Bird. She sometimes sits in her wheelchair and she's incredible. She has MS, as you probably know. But as people pass her door, this is her words, I zap them with prayer. Now they don't know that, but it's a wonderful thought. I wonder how much we zap our neighbours with prayer. That does not mean that we're too shy or too timid or else we're not in touch with God. We have a friend called Ruth Anderson who was very, very ill with cancer and every fourth week she had to go into hospital for four days. And she used to look forward to doing it despite the fact the treatment was awful. But she would say, there will be three others in that little ward and I'll witness to them. So she looked forward for three weeks for those four days when she'd be a witness in hospital. Now that's an attitude, isn't it, of Christ. He wants to use us. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, 
my prayer will be for others. So let's conclude as Paul concludes the passage. I summarize it like this. Be energetic in your life for Jesus. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the energy you have may be God's energy in you. Do everything readily and cheerfully. Let people have a glimpse of living for the living God so that they may recognize the Lord Jesus in us. He who died for us and is alive today waiting to receive new believers, waiting to use each of us in his service. If then, if we are together and willing then he will open the doors of opportunity and use us. And lastly, I had a note from Trevor Mitten this week. Some others will have got it as well. Aspire to inspire before you expire. Wonderful, isn't it? Inspire before you expire. Father, we thank you for our fellowship together. We thank you that you're here in the midst. But Lord, we pray that first of all you'll cement us together and use that unity in our community that people see us as different but see us as people who want to share with them our faith in Christ. For his name's sake. Amen.